Hello, and welcome to the Student Ministry Conversations podcast with your hosts, Brent Aiken, David Pruitt, and Russell Martin. This podcast is all about equipping, encouraging, and inspiring youth pastors weekly with topics that are brought to the table by youth pastors from all over the world. And now, here's your host for this week, David Pruitt. Well, hello, and welcome to the podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, we want to welcome you and invite you over to our website, www.studentministryconversations.org, where you can find all of our previous episodes, show notes, blog articles, and much more. Our goal is that you are inspired, encouraged, and the things that you hear on this podcast would equip you to be a better student pastor for the church that you are serving in. All right, let's get right into it. Today, I am Really, really excited. I'm sitting down um, with Doug Franklin, who is not only my friend, which I'm super honored to call my friend, but is also my hero in ministry and in life um, <laughs> for very, very different reasons. Um, but uh, I am just so honored to have you here today with us, Doug. Um, so uh, before we get into uh, you talking a little bit about yourself, so everyone kind of gets to know you, um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the stars and Blackhawks last night. Don't know if you watched the game. I did. I did. And uh, it was painful, <laughs> uh, but we're, we're, we're sucking to, to, you know, get the first round draft choice. So um, we're trying <laughs> to get that Connor, uh, Connor beard or something. I think yes, sir. So, yes, sir. so I think we're trying to lose the next eight games. So we were highly successful last night. That's the way I like to look at it. <laughs> and um, so while we did not score more goals than you, I think we accomplished what we were trying to accomplish. So, um, well, that just throws out my entire argument for why the game was amazing. You, if you guys don't know, Doug is a master at flipping things around um, in the most beautiful possible way. And then you just can't say anything because you know, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not right. I just, uh, no, Dallas is looking good this year. You got Domi yeah. from us in a trade at the, at, right at the end of the um, the trade deadline. So I think he's going to be a big help to you guys. But, um, mm-hmm. man, there are some good teams this year, some good teams yes, in Florida. There's some good teams down here, and it's wide open. I don't know who's going to win it. Like, last year, I pretty much thought Colorado had it, right? But um, oh, yeah. I don't know. You know, uh, the Rangers have really bulked up with Kane and some other people. And yeah. um, so who knows? It's going to be interesting, you know. Carolina's really good. I mean, I don't know. It's going to be yeah. It's going to be hard to – yeah, hard to predict still down there right i mean there's so many good teams so the playoffs should be a lot of fun oh yeah i'm super stoked obviously hoping my stars go all the way this year we <laughs> got so close just a few years ago in the turnaround and losing game seven like we always do so we're, <laughs> we're hoping for a good good uh outcome this time around yeah so yeah all right let's get into this um man i'm so stoked this is gonna be a good topic so uh let's start with the question i always start with please tell us a little bit about yourself doug yeah um you know i um i'm the founder of leader treks which i started back in the mid 90s a long time ago we started off by uh with this mission of developing leaders to fulfill the great commission and we first did it by just offering mission trips that focused on leadership development And then after a while, we started offering curriculum. And then Campus Crusade came to us, our crew now, came to us and asked us if we would create a training program for their staff across Latin America. And so we did that. And that really, for 10 years, actually, they leased our name, Leader Treks, and then they did these four training events that we created. And we did all the training for it for their staff. And they 
They used it for private universities that they could go into. Saw tons of people come to know the Lord with it. But that whole experience really taught me how to be a trainer. And that's a lot of what we, we bring to youth workers today. So our mission is developing leaders. The way we do it is trips, training, and curriculum. Uh, a lot of our curriculum focuses on helping youth workers make disciples and develop leaders. That's kind of our, our thing. We don't do games. Games isn't really our thing. We don't, do, we don't do a lot of the entertainment type stuff in youth ministry. Really, our focus in ministry is to be a really Bible-based um, curriculums and training events and trips that really help students grow as uh, disciples and become leaders. And that's, that's really our focus in a nutshell. Yeah, man, it's, uh, I can say I've been to several of those. I actually got to go uh, to my first refuel in a couple of years this last week. And man, we had a really good time. And what I love about your trainings is that number one, it's, it's very grassroots. It's this idea of, you know, not having more than 25, 30 people there. And you get the opportunity to go to different tables and meet different youth workers at various stages of ministry. Some that, um, you know, that first day, um, pretty much everyone at my table were um, one to two, maybe three or four years in. And then, you know, you start kind of finding the vets as you go. Um, but it was kind of a, a really cool opportunity to, to talk to people who are, are fresh and brand new and the excitement and passion that they have and those who've been doing it for a little bit. And you can tell there's small. somewhere. Yeah. I love small. I love it that you can be known, that everybody gets to encourage one another. You know, the thing about refuel is, I'm the trainer, but really people, I think, learn more from each other than they do from me. And that's really, I think, the key part. I think people build amazing relationships. Sometimes people come together. You and Cody used to come together over yeah. the years. And you guys had a really great supportive relationship of one another. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, and you just build relationships. And uh, I think in youth ministry, I think a lot of youth pastors feel alone. They feel isolated. And um, that's why I wanted to do Refuel. It's a place you could come. You could get some new ideas. You could maybe drive some innovation in your ministry, but you could also build these relationships and have lots of time to process and think. And, um, and I always feel like training needs to be a little bit personal. Like it, training needs to help me grow. And then it needs to help me think about how do I help my adult volunteers or my students or my parents grow. So I always try to have those two elements as part of a training event so that a youth worker feels like, I got something and I got something I can take home and give to others, which I just think it makes, makes training much more, much more effective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's honestly what's kept me coming back over the years is I, I go knowing I'm going to come back with a plan that will not only radically help our ministries, um, but also a plan pretty much for the next year, um, which sometimes it's really difficult to do. And so when you can go and, and get that intentional and that deep, um, and then also thinking through like more than just my ministry and youth and worship, you know, um, how can this apply to our children's ministry and to our church at large and um, adult ministry, college ministry, all that stuff. So um, it's really been very helpful uh, for us. And then I love bringing my, my adult volunteers because they bring a totally different um, set of ideas and creativity and it's always really cool to see what they get out of it you know I always go straight I, I filter through my youth and worship lenses but they can really zoom out um, which is awesome so it's, it's always cool to see their perspective too we had a uh, 18 hour drive back home and we talked almost the entire 18 hours 
um, about the things that we learned. So it was really, really cool. Good opportunity. Good. I'm really glad. I'm really glad that it's yeah. always good when teams come together so they can process it. But I, um, that was really neat that you guys did that. So thank you for coming. Of course. Thanks for having us. Um, so kind of in the, the refuel vein, my first refuel I, I went to, and I cannot tell you what year it was. Um, I just know it was a long time ago. Um, we did the, the topic was leading with your head above water. Um, can you tell me how you guys kind of came into that? Well, we felt like we, you know, we're on the phone every day with literally, you know, 30, 40 youth workers. Our, our, our team is um, a lot of ex-youth workers, or they're still youth workers, but they were youth pastors. So we're on the phone a lot with youth pastors talking about what's going on in their ministry, what's happening, what are their needs, what resources are they looking for, all those kind of things, right? Um, and what we, what we, we, we talk every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 930 as a staff. And I always like to say, what are you guys hearing? What, what, what's going on? What's hearing? And from that conversation, I kept hearing our team say, youth pastors are drowning. They're, they're too busy. The churches put too many extra things on their plate. They don't have enough adult volunteers. They don't have enough resources. And so I got this picture in my mind of youth workers who are out in the ocean of the kingdom of God serving and they're drowning, right? And so yeah. I said, okay, how can I help you grow your leadership so you can feel like you can get your head above water? And that's where we came out with this idea of leading with your head above water so that you could kind of feel like you weren't just surviving or, you know, you weren't just yeah, surviving, you were thriving. And so that's really, that's really where we, where we came up with that. And then of course the training was designed to help you bolster your leadership, grow your leadership so that you could grow the people that were following you and impact them, but also so that you could feel organized, you could feel structured, you feel like you had a plan. You came to the office every day, not feeling like I don't have enough time, but you actually came to the office going, I'm ready for this week. Yeah, and that's so huge. I was thinking about that, and we were kind of talking a little bit before this. Um, in today's, and like I said earlier, like I, I hesitate to say it because COVID is very much a real thing still, but we're kind of past this, we'll just call it post-2020, um, because I think everybody knows what that means and if, for various different reasons, but um, it seems like youth ministry and really church in general has come to a place where um, the things that we have done for years and years and years are just not working. Um, would you be willing to talk a little bit on, on some of the things that you're hearing and some of the things that you've seen and experienced uh, since well, yeah. you you might want to say it this way, COVID put a big hit on the church. Yeah. And I think the hit that the church took was that people got in a, got in a pattern of not going, not dependent on the church. And so the church says, our doors are back open. And people are saying, why do I need to go again? What's, what's the point of going? Can I just watch online? What all those kind of things, right? So I think one of the things that I'm seeing is that churches that are um, getting very social, and I'm not talking about a social gospel, I'm talking about a biblical gospel, but are spending more time providing social activities, a way for people to connect, spend time together, and especially this, serve together, are churches that are making a great rebound. But churches that just went back to 
Sunday service at 9.30 and at 11 and Wednesday night Bible study and youth group on Sunday night. Those churches, I think, are tending to struggle. And so what is really required, I believe, during this time is a real focus on building relationships through service. When we do that, families return. They show back up. They want to be a part of that. That's something they can't get anywhere else. And it's something that they desperately need and want for their children and one for themselves. They want to have an impact. They want to do something. And so I think we're moving away from a time of the mega pastor and the, the pastoral staff doing everything. And I, what, I think what the church needs more than anything right now is they need a pastoral staff that will coordinate for families, for individuals in the church, a chance for them to serve together in relationship with one another to make a huge difference. Man, I couldn't agree more. That's that's definitely one of the things I would I would have to agree with just in our own church. Uh, we just got out of our staff meeting uh, before um, recording this podcast. And that was one of the things we were talking about is, you know, what are some things that we can do um, to just drive relationships? Our One of our goals for this year is by the end of the year, having 12 different groups meeting. And, and we didn't want to overly structure it because what a lot of times what we try to do is as long as we have small groups going, we're winning, right? That's discipleship. That's, you know, we talked a lot about that at uh, Deep Discipleship last week. Um, but we, as much as we're okay with small groups happening, if, if all it is is you get together and you do board games at somebody's house, that's fellowship and that's growth. And in those times, it's like, you know, how many times have we sat down at lunch or, or hung out with parents and all of a sudden someone said, hey, I was thinking about this thing. Do you think that would work in our church? Like, do you think that's something our church could be a part of? And organic ministry ideas can happen right there in the home, whether it's, you know, over monopoly wanting to, you know, kill each other or, you know, a situation where you actually have the Bible open and you're um, just seeing what God has for us today. You know, um, I think it could happen either way. So I definitely would agree with that. Um, love that. We need can I, to. Can I add something to do with? I think churches need to be more intentional. I think that this idea that you come on Sunday and find out what Sunday is going to be about when you get to church on Sunday, I think that's a really big mistake for churches. I think what churches need to do in a lot of ways is say specifically what it is they're going to cover in a period of time and explain the importance of understanding these principles and truths from God's word. And I, I think this is a little bit of what we talked about last year. What are the eight roots of the gospel? What are the eight things that Jesus taught over and over and over again? And I, I think the church is um, a little popcornish. Oh, we're going to talk about this book. We're going to talk about this sermon series. We're going to talk about this this summer. We're going to do this. And people don't know what is important anymore. And I think that... Um, it used to be the church was important, and now I believe it's scripture that is important. And the church really mm -hmm. needs to be able to explain to its congregants what it is that it's going to be teaching and why it's important that they know it. And I think that um, I think that that churches that don't understand this concept are going to continue to lag in um, people coming back. For sure, absolutely. So let's kind of dive into some of those, those creative ideas that we can do. Um, you know, it, it seems like it should be so simple to say, you know, let's just get back to the roots of what's important. But for, for someone who maybe has only been in a, you know, grown up in a church where it was kind of the mega church, like, you know, kind of model, 
what does that look like when you're trying to create those first few steps? I think it's it's going to where our students are. I um, I think that the the whole youth ministry for the last 50 years has been based on we're open for you to come Tuesday night at 6.30, right? And it's you come to us. We're the church. We have a youth ministry. You come to us. That's the basis foundation of what we've been doing in youth ministry for 50 years. And I think that's what's got to change. I think we need to start talking about where can we go and meet students? I don't think that students are necessarily going to show up at church anymore because our doors are open. And I think this phenomenon has been going on for quite a while, but I think COVID even extended that um, quite a bit more. And so I think I, I still meet youth pastors consistently that are that are doing a you come to me program and a you come to me program is not working. It's not working. And it's it's got to be us go to them. Last week, we heard the story of our some of our friends in Aiken, South Carolina that are doing uh, a, a Wednesday morning pancake breakfast that has now reached the size of the restaurant, right? They, they're taking up every seat with this thing and they're, they're talking about extending it now to another thing. It's outside the church walls. It's not come to church. It's, hey, hey we're, we're, we're over at the IHOP, come over and join us. And, and students are coming like crazy, right? That's the new kind of youth group that I think we're seeing is we're seeing youth groups that are meeting in different places and in different ways based on different programming ideas. And I think that um, I think that it's going to take a lot of creativity on the side of youth workers to not just have different types of programming, but explain to our church leaders why we need it. Because I believe our church leaders are one of the reasons why we haven't changed a lot of our programming is because they go, this is what we did 50 years ago and it works. So do it. But what we did 50 years ago, isn't working. Hey, what we did four years ago, isn't working anymore. And we got to make radical yeah. changes. Mm -hmm. I'll, so, also, I'll also note here that Jesus didn't actually uh, make a church and stay there. I mean, Peter offered it to him. Remember, remember in uh, Mark, when he said, Peter goes to him, they're at Peter's mom's house and they, uh, Jesus heals uh, Peter's mom and a bunch of people get healed there. And then the next morning, Peter can't find Jesus and Jesus is off praying. He's right. off, you know, connecting with his father. And Peter's like, hey, Jesus, this place is awesome. Let's set up shop right here. Have people mm -hmm. come to us. And well, that's a paraphrase a little bit. I have to. Um, sure. Uh, and Jesus is like, no, I came to seek and to save the lost. Let's go. Let's go out and find them mm -hmm. on the road and let's meet their needs. So, I mean, I, I think there's a there's some examples in scripture of this and I think we've got I think we've gotten a little too comfortable mm, that's mark chapter five yeah I think that's I think that's 132 isn't it mark 132 was oh, it one yeah I, think I, I, I guess I was thinking it might be Matthew 5 where Jesus had been ministering and he went out really really early in the in the morning to to pray and then they went and got him and he immediately got up and said okay it's time to go to the next city kind of thing is that I, that's the story I'm telling, but I think that's Mark one thirty two. But I got my oh, Bible. The Mark, that Mark, yeah. and Matthew five. I think <laughs> the attitudes. Yeah, you're right, hundred percent. Bad youth pastor, you all saw it. Oh man, I love it. Um, okay, I don't love being a bad youth pastor, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, exactly. I, I, such a such a wonderful example of what. Um, ministry looked like for Jesus. And, and I think, you know, so many times I go back to when was the church at its, you know, heyday, so to speak. And 
you know, sometimes we look at it and we say, you know, the Jesus revolution, obviously the movies come out and stuff like that. And, you know, the seventies and how amazing that was here in America. But like, I, I often look back at scripture and I see Acts chapter two and Acts chapter four. And I see the difference was that everyone just came together. It didn't matter who they were. It didn't matter what they had. It didn't social um, contracts. None of that matter. It was just sell all you had so that everyone had um, community together. No one was in need. And, and I realize that kind of sounds a little bit like socialism. Um, so I don't want to get political, but um, you know, when you, when I think about like, what was the common denominator there? It, it was Jesus, you know, it was this understanding that we are serving something so much more important than ourselves. And so we're just going to come together. And, and Jesus offered something radical. Number one, it was only offered to the Jews. And now it's offered to the Gentiles. And they're like, I can have, I can have this Jesus. Like, you know, that's cool, you know? And so I think that goes hand in hand with what you're saying there is getting outside of the walls and just saying, where, where are people at? And let's go hang out there. Or maybe it's just as simple as, like I said, was hanging out at IHOP or, you know, if you're in a small town like ours, like, let's go to the coffee shop and go do, do life together. I had to call a youth pastor last week. I called him. Um, it, it was so noisy. I'm like, where are you? He's like, I'm in a coffee shop. A lot of my kids come here after school. So I come here twice a week just to hang out to see kids who come here from my, from the schools that I minister to. I'm like, awesome. Brilliant. Brilliant. Right. Yep. He knows he doesn't know he doesn't have anything set up. He's just like, I'm gonna go hang out there from two to four because I know students will come. That's it, awesome. It's great ministry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Man, I love that. Um think of how I want to phrase this next question. Um one of the things that I have seen just personally, um, and I think I think a lot of youth pastors are starting to see this, especially, is that since 2020, there's been this massive rise in anxiety and depression among students. Um, but I also think we're starting to see that trickle into our pastors as well. Um, and I think it's always been there. You know, we've talked about that um, in the past um, is, you know, burnout is a very real thing. Um, you had mentioned um, when we were talking about um, not drowning in ministry and this idea that the church puts a lot of expectations on ministers to do so much more than what they are maybe even called to do. Um, and uh, so between the two, the two sides there with students and with student workers, um, youth pastors, um, have you seen that in your area as far as like the rise in anxiety and depression? Yeah, the rise of anxiety and depression is very real. I think a lot of that uh, in COVID was extended because of isolation, because of mm -hmm. uh, because of fear. I mean, there was a real fear of dying. Remember that? Remember that feeling yeah. that you or a loved one could get uh, COVID and you could die? And that was, uh, I think that brought on, a that kind of broke the floodgates. I think anxiety and depression was already there, but it became even more. And I think a lot of what our job is, is, uh, helping students feel like they belong, helping them understand who they are in Christ. Um, but one of the big things that I'm seeing, David, over time is that students don't know who God is. Let's It's adoration, right? Like talking about adoration. Mm -hmm. God is holy. God is just. God is righteous. God is loving. God is patient. And I think I mentioned this last week, but I think a lot of students see God as an angry man up in heaven who's going to whack them for doing something wrong, which mm -hmm. 
brings on anxiety, right? Oh, right. I mean, you know, I mean, we have a lot of great kids who don't want to disappoint God and they feel like any action to the contrary of his word will. And I think that what we've got to do as youth pastors is we really need to be able to help students come to know who God really is. 2000 years ago, knowing full well what you would do, he climbed up on a tree and died for you. So I don't really think he's an angry man up in heaven willing to whack you. I think he is a wonderful man up in heaven who's patient with you and is down here on earth through his spirit pursuing you and helping you grow and develop and knows you're going to have bad days and provided a way for you to be forgiven from that, right? And so that's what I feel like what is really needed from us as youth workers as we begin to think about our students is to really help them understand who God is. Now, we have to make sure that we're providing the right care for professionals that are needed in certain situations with students, all kinds of other things. But I think one of the things that we can do is we can really help students understand who God is. I think that's a huge problem in youth ministry right now. Um, and I think that's something that youth pastors really can do to make a difference in this area. Uh, um, so yes, big, big, uh, big deal. I was at a conference three, four weeks ago with Walt Mueller put on up in Pennsylvania. And we talked a lot about um, stress, anxiety. Julie Lowe came and spoke her books on it for students. She's at the Christian Counseling. I can't remember the name of it exactly, but out of Washington, DC, she has a lot of books. Julie Lowe is her name. I can't think of Julie her last book, but that's a great resource for youth pastors. I heard her speak twice. I was blown away by what she had to say and how she talked about helping students and making a difference in their life. And so um, check out her books. She's got great resources. Perfect, yeah. too at uh, CPYU Center for Parent and Youth Understanding. He's got a lot of resources on this as well, too. What was that? Walt Mueller, CPYU. I think it's cpyu.org. Um, he, he also has a daily podcast or daily radio show, and he deals with culture and, and this issue of anxiety and stress with students. He has thousands of resources. Awesome. Yeah. And if, if it's okay for me to, to plug Leader Trucks <laughs> for a moment, oh, yeah. um, uh, Leader Trucks has a ton of different resources. Um, one of my favorites, I have two different ones for two very different reasons, but one of my favorite ones is student leaders start here. Um, and I think that's part of the model um, for the youth ministries that I'm seeing that are most successful are the ones that are realizing that we as youth pastors are really just facilitating their youth group. And I think we need to remember, we need to remember that this youth group is not our youth group because we're that we're in charge of it. This youth group is their youth group for them to connect with Jesus um, in a real and intentional way. And so if we can if we can equip and disciple our student leaders to be leaders right where they are, then we start to, I mean, it's, it's a massive win, not only for the church today, but also tomorrow. You know, we talk a lot about what the church will look like 50 years from now. And if we don't do things right with students, they're going to graduate. I mean, we've been talking about this statistics since at least the nineties that I know of is that, that big 85% that, you know, graduate high school and leave and never come back, you know? And so I think if we can be more intentional in um, investing in our students and saying, Hey, 
what do you want your youth ministry to look like? And especially considering you're in these school with these students, you know what they want, you know what the desire, because it's your desire too. And so how can we better reach? We gotta, we gotta let our students do what they do best. Yeah, we're one generation away from being out of leaders. And if yeah. we don't let students own the youth ministry, they'll walk. Also, too, is when students don't own the youth ministry, they tend to stand on the starting line of their faith and not move off of it. Paul yeah. talks about milk and meat, and we've got a ton of kids drinking milk, and we don't ha we haven't moved them on to meat. And a lot of meat is they have to own their faith, have to be able to read God's word, study it, confess their sin when they read something in God's word that leads them to believe they're sinning. And then they need to be able to uh, apply God's word and, and change. And I think that's all part of leadership, making up their disciples as part of leadership. And I think that um, if youth ministries aren't focused on developing leaders, then they're probably, they probably got a group of students that will be out the door, right? Maybe even before graduation. See a lot of youth ministries that lose kids between the junior and senior year. And it's because the adults are making all the decisions and students have very little ownership. It's not bad when you're in junior high, but when you start to get to that point where you're you're basically itching for that opportunity to be the adult and to have ownership and to, you know, I think we kind of forget sometimes it's like, well, you're not an adult yet, but in their minds, they are, you know, and they, it's like, man, I've, I've been a kid and I've, you know, it, you see that transition happen immediately into junior high, like, I don't want to be treat, treated like a kid anymore. I don't want to do crafts anymore. I don't want to do those things. I want, I want to go deeper. Um, and then from, from junior high to high school, it's kind of like, you know, I, I really love my youth group because I mean, most youth groups are comprised, I think these days of, of middle schoolers that are all in hundred percent all in and they're excited. They're there. Even when the doors aren't open, if you'll allow them to be there, they'll hang out with you every day. Um, yeah. And then they get into high school. And if they don't start to get that ownership, I think you're absolutely right. Junior year happens, they get their license and, and the schools are pulling on them more and more. And they're like, see ya, you know, because we never gave them that opportunity to really step up and, and make the youth group their own. And so I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have a lot of work to do, but I think we've also got a lot, we got to, we got to pivot and, um, mm -hmm. And as uh, friends, uh, Ross used to say, pivot, pivot, pivot. We've got, to, we've got to pivot from the type of ministry we're doing now to a much more relational ministry mm -hmm. where we're pursuing them. And I think that's the change that's needed desperately. Couldn't agree more. Um, I wanted to plug one more resource, uh, mostly just because um, in my experience, um, I've been in the Methodist denomination for um, pretty much my entire adult life. I grew up in the Baptist church, moved over when I was 19. Um, and so um, one of the big things that we see in our denomination, um, which may be changing soon, um, but senior pastors in the Methodist church tend to leave at a very rapid rate. Um, so uh, I've nearly nine years here in Snyder uh, in September, and I have served in that nine-year span, I have served seven senior pastors. Um, yeah. Most of those were towards the beginning of that nine years. Um, and uh, one thing that I found um, is that I never felt fully supported. Um, and I think that's part of that where I, 
when I first went to refuel and heard this topic of leading with your head above water, that was so huge for me because I've been doing youth ministry for a while. Um, but what I I'd realized for me personally is that I felt like I was disconnected um, from any real support in our church outside of like our youth adult leaders, because youth adult leaders, the ones that are there consistently are usually there for you and they want to support you and they want to support the students. And um, that can be really cool. But the thing that I had been lacking was mentorship and discipleship from my senior pastor and not having that connection. And so I think that's why a lot of youth pastors feel like they're kind of on an island alone because they don't have that you know, that person that's pouring back into them. And so you wrote a book. Um, I don't know exactly when you wrote it, but it's called The Disconnect. Um, can you, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, we were, we were, we were fascinated by how many youth workers we met that were in a bad relationship with their senior pastor. Not all of them. There's some that have great relationships and we thank God for every one of those. But we met a lot of youth pastors that were in tough situations. Also, we met a lot of youth pastors that weren't getting paid a, a like living wage. And we, we wondered why, why youth workers weren't talking about this with their senior pastor. And so we, we began uh, by doing a survey of 100 youth pastors and we did a survey of 100 senior pastors. And we asked a series of questions about ministry and about communication and about um, their feelings about the church. And what, what the, the summary of that, 10 second summary of that was, what we heard were there two value systems at work. The senior pastor's value system was time served. I've been pastor here 19 years. You should listen to what I have to say. I've been youth, I've been a senior pastor here for 12 years. I should get all the money to spend on my on my projects that I want to spend the money on, right? We heard this over and over again. Time served was equal to value. Well, when we looked at the surveys of youth pastors, what we, what we came to find was their value system was, if you're having impact, if you're seeing people come to know Christ, if you're making disciples, if you're, if you're actually doing something in the community, you have value. And so what we realized was a senior pastor and a youth pastor were going into a staff meeting together, and they thought they had the same value system they were working for, and they weren't working on the same value system. So the senior pastor says to the youth pastor, how many kids were at youth group last week? And he says, 15. And the youth pastor and the senior pastor is like, well, those numbers aren't, those aren't good numbers. But this, but the youth pastor saw three kids come to know Christ and was like, wait a minute, the impact is great. Right. And the senior pastor never saw it. And so they were, they were, there was a disconnect. And that's what we began to write about was this disconnect between senior pastors and youth pastors. And we looked at areas in the book, like money, mission, values, uh, ways of doing ministry. And we talked about how they both did th those ministries very different. And then we had an activity in the, at the end of each chapter on how they could communicate better with each other or talk to each other better about what was really working and what wasn't working. And um, so The Disconnect was a very, very popular book for a long time. Still, we still uh, print it and sell it. Um, and um, um, it really helps youth pastors and senior pastors actually work together. So you buy a book for the senior and a book for the youth pastor, you read the chapter and you come together and you do the activity. And what, what we're seeing is that, is that youth pastors are going, oh, I get what you're, I get what you value. I understand it. I see why it's important. And the, and the senior pastor is going, oh, I didn't get it. I didn't understand. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. And there's, they're breaking down that disconnect. And that's, that's why we wrote the book. 
or love about it. And uh, I'm trying to see if I've got the book in here. Um, but definitely go check it out. I'll have the all of the resources that we talked about will be in the show notes today. Uh, but what I love is like on one side, it's like a, a converse and that's your youth pastor. And you flip it over on the other side, it's like a uh, kind of a dress shoe if your pastor is yeah. kind of more the traditional uh, pastor yeah. there. Um, yeah. The funny thing about our, ours is both myself and the pastor wear Jordans. Um, so, you know, we're, <laughs> we're cut from the same cloth, but like, well, that was really group you know, publishing. They published the book and that's their, that was their idea. They did a great job. Such a good idea. But what I love about it is like, you just, you flip it right over. And, and as you go, you know, both sides are meeting. And by the time you get to the middle, that's when that aha moment, like, oh my gosh, you know, why didn't I see that? And, you know, it's interesting because it's easy to say, if this is a mission of our church, you know, we are, we have, we do, this is our mission statement. Yeah, sure. Everybody's going to get, you know, you're going to find very few people in ministry that's going to say, no, I don't really think that we should be making disciples. I don't think we should be loving people and, you know, loving God. Like who, who does that? You know, we're all on the same mission, but how you get there, and I think that's the disconnect that we're, we're seeing. Um, and, and I think you hit that so well in the value system. You know, if, if senior pastor values this and the youth pastor values this and we're on two different pages, both are good. But if we can come together and, man, so much can happen. And so um, I actually presented your book to every senior pastor I've had since, I don't know, 2014, 2015. And of all the senior pastors I've served, one person has gone through it with me, um, which is, and I think that showed, I think that really showed um, why this book is so important. And yeah. it's our current senior pastor. And uh, it's been really cool, the conversations we've had. And he, he's a, a former youth pastor as well. And he's only a couple of years older than me. So I knew immediately that we're going to go through this book and realize that we're already on the same page, but it's still important to have those opportunities and to sit there and kind of like what we were talking about earlier is, you know, meeting in a coffee shop right where they are. It was like, we were kind of meeting each other where we were. And, you know, um, one of the cool things for us is that we made a promise early on. Um, he had come from churches where he had to be the senior pastor, the youth pastor, the music pastor, his wife was the children's minister. They were doing everything. Yeah. And I was in a position where I was doing my position and the senior pastor's position and we kind of just made a promise to each other i will let you be free to do what god has called you to do if you will let me do what god is calling me to do and when we kind of like sort of stayed in our lanes but we also kind of like we enjoy working together it's been a beautiful thing and i think for so right. many so many um youth workers out there who might feel like they're drowning maybe it's as simple as having a conversation with your senior pastor and realizing that maybe they have your back more than you think and that might be a huge help um if you're in that position where you're just like man i just feel like i can't do anything right amen and if you guys can come together that's huge yep for sure for sure is there anything else you'd like to to share before we wrap up um, no, I've, I've just loved uh, getting to know you and your team and working with you, David. And, um, you know, this is why I started Leader Treks is I wanted to help youth workers um, and um, and being able to be a resource for you. I know your kid. I know you know your kids better than me. I don't know your kids. Right. So I want to I want to provide you with tools and resources that will help you get the most out of your relationship with students. And I feel like you and I are good partners. We, we've yeah. partnered in this and we've seen impact happen. And um, I just want to continue to be your partner. 
man. And I so appreciate that. Like, oh man, I, I started this podcast talking about how uh, I'm grateful for our friendship, but you've been a hero to me in, in youth ministry for a long time. And um, so to be able to sit, sit down and have this conversation and hopefully our listeners get the opportunity to check you guys out and also get to partner with you guys in different things. Um, these guys do incredible mission trips. They do refuel retreats, um, which are great conferences. Um, I think are vital to uh, ministry. So check out Leader Tracks. Um, Doug talked about this earlier. They have a phone there in their office and they are happy to have conversations with you. Um, I can't tell you how many times over the years I was kind of beating my head up against a wall trying to figure out a solution. And I just made a, a random call and said, hey, who's available today? And that's who, I mean, I spent a lot of time talking to Doug. I talked to, to Dan and Taryn back in the day. Um, yeah. Those two were incredible. Taryn came and did uh, several student leadership trainings and um, Dan and I would nerd out. Um, it's just all kinds of awesome things. And so they've got an incredible team there that wants to have conversations with you guys. Yeah. Amen. We do. We do. And you don't have to buy anything. Just we can, we just want to be a support. So calls. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I want to uh, thank you so much for being here, for being a part of this podcast. Um, Happy to. You guys make sure to go check out what uh, Doug and Leadershex is doing and, and uh, hopefully it could be a good resource for your youth ministry. But we ask that you would uh, just do your part and help share this podcast with um, other student workers uh, around you. Um, tag us and or tag your friends in specific episodes that stood out to you um, and let us know um, what you guys are enjoying. Um, if you'd like to be a part of the podcast, we'd love to have you on. We'd love to hear about what you're passionate about and, and um, how that can help other student pastors just like you. Doug, again, thank you so much for being here, being on the podcast. And um, man, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, I look forward to it too. Thank you. Sure.